Now that's a proper introduction. Welcome to another edition of the Narrative First Podcast, the weekly podcast where story is always king. I am your host, Jim Hull, the voice of Narrative First, and this is episode number 32, Arrival and the Zero Sum Game. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you had a great week of writing. Uh, This week, we'll be getting into our analysis of Arrival, which I finally saw over this weekend and absolutely loved. Everybody was telling me how much I would love it and how it was the perfect film for me which made me think it was in one area, but it actually ended up being another reason why I would have loved the film. Oh, I should say, before you go any further with the podcast, that I will be spoiling Arrival to no end. The whole point of a story form is to know the beginning and ending of a story. So if you have not seen Arrival yet, please uh, stop the podcast, go watch it, and then come back and finish the rest. You'll get far more out of it, Uh, you'll get an amazing cinematic experience, and then you get to learn more about it afterwards. Uh, And then we'll get into our article last week, we were talking about dramatic questions and building up the audience tension by trying to see what it looks like, what the story looks like from inside the story, from within, from your character's point of view. Uh, Remember, dramatic is always looking at story from an objective point of view, and there are a lot of correlations between the way the aliens communicate in Arrival and the way Dramatica works. But first, I want to talk about the story forms on the site. You may not know it, but there is a section of the site where I keep all the story forms for all the analyses I've done. So, for instance, this week I put up, uh, obviously, Arrival, because I just did that this weekend. And then, for some reason, I forgot to do The Yellowbirds, which was the, the Iraq War film that I saw at Sundance, which should be out. It'll probably be up for Oscar next year. Who knows? I put the two of those films up on the story forms section, I used to make them freely available to everyone just to download, but now I figured it'd be great to give people who are members of Narrative First who subscribe, you can either subscribe yearly or monthly and see what you want to do, give them a special feature on the site where you can just go and you can download the actual Dramatica file, the DR5 file for Dramatica Story Expert. You can download the one that uh, we create here, or you can download the Story Engine Settings Report, I mean, obviously you can make it yourself, uh, but this is just a way that you can help support Narrative First and also keep up with all the the new story forms. Probably 2017 will be the year of the story form, where there will be lots of work, lots of story forms, lots more analyses. You know, the more popular Dramatica gets, uh, I can see on the Discuss Dramatica forum, uh, which is the forum that we have for Dramatica, you know, where you can go and ask questions about the theory, etc., that is at discuss.dramatica.com. I see recently, like, more and more people are starting to do their own analysis of film. And, you know, right now, I think they're working on Wally, which is interesting because for some reason, I mean, I'll have to go watch it again, but I'm pretty sure the story form is broken or incomplete. I know there was an issue with the resolve towards the end. I'm not quite sure where it is. And, I mean, you can tell just skimming over it, I haven't actually read through the entire post yet. But skimming over it, you can see there's a lot of back and forth, which is usually a good indicator that there is not a, a common story form there. there. There might be maybe two incomplete story forms there. I'm not really sure exactly what is going on there. I'll have to watch it again. But uh, yeah, this year, 2017, there'll be a lot of story forms, a lot of people analyzing film from a dramatica point of view. And so 
I wanted to have a section where you could go and get our story forms, the ones that we make at Narrative First. So if you if you would like to be able to download these or you know be able to keep up with everything that's going on here, you can go to narrativefirst.com slash membership and you can sign up there. So you'll be able to grab your story forms, you put them in the examples folder in your in your Dramatica folder, and then when you go to look at contextual examples, uh, like say for instance you wanted to see, oh, what about an influence character in situation? What would that be like? Well, now, if, if you had the Arrival story form, you would see that the influence characters of Arrival are in situation. And then you could apply that to your own story and be like, oh, okay, well, I guess if my, my main character is stuck with this fixed attitude about how things are, and then they, they get this outside representation of, of how things really are, you know, and externally then maybe that would challenge the way that they, they see the world. Okay, I, I get it. Just like in Arrival. And, and then you could do that and apply that to your own story. So once again, that would be narrativefirst.com slash memberships. And then once you, if you do have a membership, you just go to narrativefirst.com slash storyforms and you'll be able to download them there. Last week we talked about the dramatic questions. So these are ways of building up tension within your audience. Those of you familiar with dramatic will know that it has a very different point of view when it comes to story. And it looks at things from a very objective point of view, from a very, oh, I don't know, maybe non-linear way of looking at story structure. Hmm? <laughs> Getting to arrival a little early, but when you are trying to uh, write from the subjective point of view or from the audience's point of view, uh, I guess sometimes it's helpful to be able to know, uh, you know, what's going on in the minds of the characters. Like, well, what are they thinking? What's, what are they concerned about? I mean, I guess concerned about you would actually use the story form, but, you know, what is, what is their point of view? And so last week I wrote an article entitled Finding the Major Dramatic Question of Your Story, uh, and the byline is an accurate account of the tension within a story requires writers to take an objective view of their story. And I went through and talked about this major dramatic question or central dramatic question that a lot of people talk about. You know, if you Google the question of dramatic tension, like, oh, how do you build up dramatic tension in a narrative? For me, I guess I just kind of take it for granted that you know, if you put all the pieces there, you're going to have tension. So, you know, when I construct a story, uh, whether on my own or, or working with somebody else, I just kind of work the story form. And quite naturally, you know, if you hook up with somebody who is a very intuitive writer, a very organic writer, and they, they know exactly, you know, they know how to bring life to a scene, you can tell them the bits and pieces that are supposed to be there. Like, well, you know, in this in this scene, you know, the the two principal characters of a story, you know, there should be some kind of uh, understanding between the two of them. You know, like, let's say it's a, a signpost of understanding. Like, they, they should work out some understanding, and it should be, you know, some physical thing. You know, they've been fighting, sparring back and forth throughout the entire story, and then finally, you know, they, they come to a greater understanding. And then you feed that to somebody who's, who's an intuitive writer, who's just used to writing, and they just run with it. And, you know, you two of you go back and forth, and that's, to me, how you, you build up dramatic tension. I mean, I, I feel like it's a, a natural thing. 
that just comes out and you just start writing it. You know, if you're not aware of the story form and you're not aware of how exactly Dramatica works uh, and you go to major universities and enroll in screenwriting programs or writing programs, you know, they, I'm, I'm almost positive, they will always approach it from a subjective point of view. And that's why you get these questions pertaining to, you know, dramatic tension. You know, what's, what's a way of keeping the audience hooked? For me, once you put the four through lines together in the same narrative space, in the same work, you put those two together, you automatically hook the audience. I mean, you can just feel it when that last through line of a narrative kicks into place you automatically, the audience is hooked because they have to know how it all turns out. I mean, that's why films that don't have all four through lines, that's usually when you have an issue. And of course, being asked, well, try and figure out the central dramatic question of your story isn't really going to help if you don't have all four through lines. You know, because the four through lines are basically describing how it is we ourselves go about solving problems. You know, the main characters, the eye perspective... And the overall story is the they perspective. So you get the inner and you get the the outer view of things. And you, even just putting those two together creates audience, I guess, hooking in or audience tension because they want to know how it resolves. Who 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 changes? Does the outside world change or does the, the inside world change when it comes to this problem? And, of course, the influence character and relationship story round that out and actually make it a full convincing argument but if you don't have those then really asking dramatic questions isn't going to get you anywhere and as i point out in the article too asking those questions at all really doesn't help because when you look at things from a subjective point of view uh you obviously by definition you have blind spots because you can't see everything right and then the con to the objective point of view is it's not very passionate and some you know it's it seems kind of cold uh, so you know that's why you work the two of them together. That's why personally the people that I work the the best uh, relationships are the ones where I kind of take care of all the objective story structure. You know, essentially the story form, and then the other writer brings the passion and the emotion and kind of like the heart to it. Not to say that I don't have heart and that I can't write a heart filled scene, but yeah, usually my notes are more about the overall structure of a story and how it all fits together. So when you're writing from that subjective point of view, if you have no idea what the actual story form is, you know, to be able to bridge the gap between the two, you can be completely guessing at what it is that the goal is or what the tension is. You're just making something up. And it was interesting because you can, you can see, you know, I, I put a link to um, a collection of dramatic questions from a really great screen screenwriting from Iowa. It's a great screenwriting blog site. Great in that I remember looking at it a long time ago. Uh, and he lists a whole bunch of uh, dramatic questions that are really just essentially subjective points of view of the story goal. So in Dramatica, uh, the story form is a collection of right now 75 different story points that work together and kind of give you the holistic image of a story form of a story. Imagine it as a circle. Imagine if you had two hands and you're writing from the beginning towards the middle and from the end towards the middle. Kind of like Arrival. Uh, yeah, so that's what Dramatica does. It actually it gives you that entire circle of the story all at once. And so one of those story points is called the story goal. You know, the inciting incident, whatever you want to call it, the first story driver, whatever upsets the equity of things, the balance of things, 
creates inequity. And then that, to me, that's where the actual tension is, is that imbalance. And then there is a goal. Someone is trying to resolve that. Good guy, bad guy, someone is pursuing that end result of resolving that inequity. And that turns out to be the story goal. Now, story goals can be uh, 16 different types right now. You can have obtaining story goals, which is what most people are familiar with. And you can have learning goals. You know, maybe it's just enough just to actually learn, like contact, like learn what's out there. Uh, you can have understanding goals. Those are my favorites, like uh, Sixth Sense, you know, like what's going on with this kid? Why is he such a freak? And uh, what's another understanding? Another understanding would be uh, usual suspects, right? Kaiser Soze. Um, what's another understanding? Pretty much all the really cool films from the turn of the century all, for some reason, ended up in understanding. Is Prestige in there? I feel like Prestige is there. I'm almost positive. Yeah. You know, understanding each other's magic tricks. He's using a double! <laughs> Pretty good, right? Okay. Um, so, back to... Okay, so you have lots of different goals. And then, of course, you can also have internal goals, uh, like uh, trying to remember something, or maybe a group of people are trying to become something more than they are, or they're trying to, oh, a great one is a, a simple plan, you know, ah, uh, Bill Paxton, heartbreaking, everybody in there is scheming to try and, you know, make off with the money, and it's just this huge manipulation game, that's a great example of uh, a conceptualizing goal, or if you're using the new terminology, developing a plan, I mean, that works as well. I actually wrote a whole series of articles on the story goal, uh, unlocking the structural code of the story goal, overcoming difficult situations where I actually went through each through line, or I'm sorry, each domain. So I went through, you know, activities. I showed different uh, examples of activities goals, uh, situation goals, fixed attitude goals, and then manipulation goals. So I'll link to that in the show notes so you'll be able to read that entire series. It's a, I, I thought it came out really, really well. And, you know, hopefully explains to you the difference between Obtaining goals, because goals, because of their nature of what they are, that you're actually trying to pursue something and you achieve it at the end, a lot of people just automatically assume, well, then every goal is supposed to be about achieving, right? Because that's everything I've ever seen is about achieving. But yes, you are achieving a goal, but the type of that actual goal, it makes a huge impact on the thematics that you will be exploring in your story. So in that screenwriting from Iowa blog, you know, he lists a bunch of different major dramatic questions. Uh, will E.T. get home? Will Clarice catch Buffalo Bill? Will Aaron bring justice to a small town? Will Marlon find his son? So you, those are all sound like achieving goals. And it's interesting because Silence of the Lambs is not uh, an obtaining story. It's a progress story or how things are changing. So it's about the situation that is problematic. It's not about capturing Buffalo Bill. And that makes a huge difference because the story is more about the, you know, the kind of creepiness of it isn't just about cat and mouse. Oh, I'm going to go catch this guy. And once I catch him, once I track down all the clues, I'll be able to catch him. Yay. No, there's actually like some really cool, everything's just crumbling down. Everything's devolving and regressing and just tumbling into this darkness and whether or not she can stop that progress towards just mayhem. That's far more interesting than, did I catch the killer? Yay! I mean, you can still have obtaining stories and they can still be great, but you can push things and make them even more interesting if you put them into other spots. And then, of course, you know, thinking of that goal, see, if you're thinking of it subjectively, you're just thinking of achieving the goal. Oh, so that's what it is. 
you're just thinking of achieving the goal, so of course everything's going to turn out to look like an obtaining goal. And that's why people have difficulty when they come to Dramatica because they're still thinking of it subjectively, still thinking of it from the character's point of view. And so they think, well, all right, what's my goal? This is my goal. Where does the goal fit into you know, the, the character? Where does it fit into the story form? What's my wants? What's my needs? Like Everything's tied to this goal, blah, blah, blah. Because that's always coming from a subjective point of view. Now you can find correlations between that subjective point of view and where it is found in the objective uh, story form, like the story goal. But you know, trying to get at it just from that subjective asking the questions, it will cause you to eventually have to rewrite and rewrite again. So the whole point of narrative first, once again, the whole point why I started this whole thing was because you can save yourself a huge amount of time by figuring out what it is you want to say up front. Uh, you can actually figure out, well, you know, I, I want the end to be like this. And so if you know your ending and you know what it is you want to say, that's more important, not so much like what happens, but what you actually want to say with it. You know, is it a tragedy? You want to say that doing this all the time leads to success? Does it lead to failure? Like all those important things. Once you know the ending, then you can figure out the beginning and the middle with the story form. Again, referencing Arrival, once you know the end, you'll be able to balance out everything to get to that end by knowing the entire circle. So that article on the central dramatic question is online. I'll, of course, leave a link to it in the show notes. If you're, wa- if you're listening to this live or you're listening to it you know, this, this week, it's just the, the most recent article there, narrativefirst.com slash articles. And this week I'll be wrapping up uh, either I'll wrap up, uh, I'll probably write this article, maybe this will be the last one, I'm not sure. Either I'll wrap up the series on, you know, plotting your story with Dramatica, or I will end up doing this one and then a, a, a wrap-up article. But the idea being, okay, so now you know that big story goal question, you know, like, will E.T. get home, etc. Now, how can you break down the individual acts into those dramatic questions? And... A uh, client that I work with who's really brilliant with story, he and I came up with a, a cool way of using the requirement and the prerequisite to actually answer the dramatic questions of your first two acts. Like They actually work together, and it has everything to do with the sort of fractal nature of Dramatica. I watched this great documentary over the weekend, which I guess is old, called Inner Worlds, Outer Worlds, or Outer Worlds, Inner Worlds. Uh, And it was all about, you know, the fractal nature of things in the universe. And it was great because Dramatica is the same exact way. It has fractals, you know, the four bits that you have at the top, situation, activity, fixed attitude, psychology, those are repeated all the way down. They're just smaller and smaller versions of it. So that carries throughout the narrative where, you know, you go down, you have the prerequisite and the requirement. And while they pertain to the entire story at large, you can actually use them within the different acts. You know, the prerequisite is the setup for the requirement. The requirements are the things that you need to do in order to reach the goal. So then it only makes sense that the first would be for the first act and the second for the second act. So I'll be writing that article this week and be publishing it on Friday.
so on to Arrival. Like I said, I've been hearing about this film for the last three months. Everybody telling me I need to see it, I need to see it. Somebody almost spoiled it for me. Uh, thankfully they didn't. Uh, I was still surprised, pleasantly, overwhelmingly surprised at what was actually going on in the story. And afterwards was so inspired by it that I actually sat down and immediately wrote an analysis of it. I mean, I was pumped. Like, I, I watched the whole thing, and then I was just like, oh, I know exactly where the story form is, and started to work on it. Uh, it turns out I was in the wrong place. It's interesting because everybody told me I would love the film. Uh, Chris Huntley was telling me, oh, this is, why haven't you seen this film? It's your kind of film. So I automatically assumed that meant success bad, because those are typically my favorite films. They used to be my favorite films, stuff like Dark Knight or... Uh, Usual Suspects, or oh, what's another one? Uh, oh, Unforgiven is a great one. Yeah, those are usually my favorite, but no, this it wasn't that case. It was the fact that it was in the upper left quadrant. So part of what we do at the Dramatic Mentorship Program is take you through the different quads of the Dramatica table of story elements, and you know, you watch similar placed films, films with similar thematic content, so that you can build up that kind of intuitive understanding of where things fall. So when it comes to either writing your own stories or analyzing a film, you'll have a really good idea of where things fall. And my favorite place for story is always the upper left, which uh, deals with issues of, or I guess concerns of the past, uh, of understanding things, of memories, and of conceptualizing or visualizing or developing a plan. Like those to me are my favorite films. Like Christopher Nolan, he spends his entire life there. <laughs> so, Memento is there, obviously memories. Uh, Prestige is there, understanding like we talked about before. Inception, which again is understanding, and the past guilt of what he did to his wife. All those great Christopher Nolan films. The Dark Knight, actually no, The Dark Knight is to the right. Oh, the first one is, Batman Begins is in there. So, all those, you know, great kind of heavy films, very important. They're weighty to me. Because, interestingly enough, you know, the upper left corner of a dramatic quad is knowledge, which is the internal equivalent of mass in the external world. So I always feel like they have more of thematic weight to them, you know, because it's about the actual mass of things. And so, you know, watching Arrival, it's very heavy, it's great, amazing director, soundtrack is brilliant. Although I thought it was great that the reason it wasn't up for Oscar was because the opening and ending sequences, her memories are sourcing uh, soundtrack material from an older bit and a different uh, composer. I think it was like 12 years ago, 2004 or 05. Great piece of uh, music on the nature of Daylight by Max Richter, which I'll, I'll leave a link to that because I've been listening to that over and over again, especially when writing the analysis. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I didn't know that's where it was going to end up. And afterwards, I got really excited because I knew exactly where the story form was, Went down, ran Starbucks, got some coffee so I could get the extra burst of energy to, to write it all out. And the first thing I jumped to... Oh, because this was after I watched the making of. There's a bunch of really great uh, making of stuff where they talk about how the music was made. And then also, um, I believe his name is Ted Ching, who wrote the original story, The Story of Your Life, the short story that it was based on. Uh, a decade ago, too, I think. Um, and, you know, going over that got me so excited I knew exactly where the story form was because I actually had author's intent. So the Dramatica story form, that story form there, like I said, the reason why you can save yourself so much time is because if you know what your intent is, what you're actually trying to search for, 
then you can actually fill out the story form. So if you know the author's original intent, then you can actually discover, you know, of a work that's already been completed, you can actually d decipher the story form much quicker. And so I, I jumped right to uh, an issue of Destiny because he and the filmmakers were excited by the idea of, well, if you knew how your life would turn out, would you make the same choices? So I thought, ah, oh, it's perfect. Issue of Destiny, that's great. I, I looked under Destiny, which you'll find under a concern of past, which, uh, you know, because I, I did my own dramatic uh, tour of the table of story elements over the past 20 years, I knew it was in the upper left. I could just feel it, that that's where it was. And so I looked, and under the past, you know, you have uh, fate versus destiny, and interdiction versus prediction. So I thought, all right, well, destiny sounds great. Oh, this would be so great if we, we had a film where the main character issue was destiny. I mean, I know... It, it was the same in uh, Inception, but, you know, Inception, the relationship story kind of fell apart. This one I knew had a complete story, so I was really excited. All right, well, now we have an example of, of a main character issue of Destiny, and underneath there was awareness, which I thought was great because, you know, she's building up this awareness of what's going on around her, and that's giving her trouble. And then she's doing a ton of projecting and a ton of speculating and, you know, what what's actually being said, so I thought this was great cross-reference that with the overall story and that gave me an issue of conditioning which was perfect because everybody's you know it's on the brink of war because everybody's been conditioned throughout history that this is what happens you know the, all the comments about the aborigines and you know this is what happens when people invade other countries this is so i thought that was great for the conflict so put the influence character in memories which I managed to convince myself was uh, her future memories. Like, that was her... She was being influenced by that, which, you know, anytime you have to kind of stretch and kind of like, well, I think that's what it was, that's when, you know, you might possibly be on the wrong track. For some reason, I just felt really strongly that it was a steadfast main character resolve. Uh, in retrospect, that seems completely ridiculous. And I couldn't find some way of making the influence character change. You know, you might think that Ian, uh, the the physicist that she works with, that, you know, at the end he, he says something to the effect of like, well, I've always been looking at the stars and now I see you. Maybe that's a change. And then she changes other people's mind. So I think that's where that was coming from for me. I, I felt great about it, talked it over, and was really excited. You know, I'd, I'd seen it on Sunday, so I was really excited on Monday to to come to work and actually write the the analysis of it. I wasn't quite sure exactly, you know, where everything fit into place. So I went to sleep and, you know, with the intention of, oh, I wonder what the, what the story form is. And I woke up and I was like, oh, you're so far off. It's not even, it's not even funny. Uh, I did the same exact thing that I did with the ex machina analysis. If you, if you haven't read it or if you're not a if you're not a weekly subscriber or you haven't listened to that podcast, um, make sure you check that out. And I'll also leave a link to the article where I explain the difference where I see I'm picking up on the challenge to the main character, the influence that's coming at them, not where their actual problems are. I forget why that occurred to me. I think I just woke up and I was like, N no, I, I believe it was, well, if the aliens are the influence character, well, then that makes sense that they would be in situation because they're from another planet and their, their race is dead if things don't get turned around and they know the past. So that makes good. And they're the ones that are the destiny and they're the ones impacting or influencing Louise, the Amy Adams character by telling her her path. So it's almost like this is how you could say it. If the author is saying, well, what really excited me 
was, you know, what would you do if you knew your destiny? That's not you, that's not an I issue. That's you. I'm I'm telling you your destiny and what would you do if you were confronted with your destiny? That's an influence character question. You know, what would you do? That's the you perspective, influence character, you. So it's the aliens putting forth this issue of destiny. And then so I, I checked, cross-referenced that to the, you know, under concern of memories. And I was, and the issue would have been falsehood, which is great. I was like, oh, that's right. Because her whole, you know, dialogue from the beginning to the end is how memory, she doesn't trust her memory. It's all a lie. You know, it's it's basically false. And then, so I looked under falsehood, and of course, projection and speculation were in there, which was fantastic. And then inequity and equity, and I wasn't quite sure about that, but I was pretty certain that she was a change character. So it was the aliens, you know, the aliens don't change. So she's changed by the aliens. So I got excited about that. Cross-referenced that. Uh, the inequity and equity, which would have put the overall story in interpretation, which again... That sounds great because everybody's going to war because of their different interpretations. You know, use weapon, offer weapon. What is it? Who's interpreting it which way? That sounds good. In the quad with inequity and equity, you have order and chaos. So I took that over into the influence character and it gave me an influence character problem of thought. And I was like, that's it. I figured it out. (laughs) Because the steadfast character's problem is their source of drive. It's what's actually impacting the main character. So thought, the way they think, is what's having the greatest impact on her. You know, they don't think of time linearly like we do. They think of it in a non-linear fashion. You know, they're writing the sentence from beginning to end and end to beginning at the same time because they know how everything turns out. And to me, that was really, really exciting. I looked at the relationship story. That was all about conceptualizing, so I could see conceptualizing how time really is. And, of course, the problem between them was perception. You know, two different people, two different races or species that perceive time in different ways, and they actually come to a resolution when they discover one accepts how things really are, the actuality. And so that was great. I knew that that's exactly... uh, that it was the right story form. It felt great. Um, when it came to actually writing the article, which you can find online, uh, I was really pleasantly surprised by a, a couple of things. One was the the problem of inequity and the solution of equity. Clearly, these aliens arrive, create a tremendous amount of inequity, um, you know, kind of mess up how things are and, and split everybody apart because there's 12, you know, they the 12 different pieces are what actually set everything up that set the problem like understanding like trying to figure out well what's the order to all this when they're scattered all over the place you know what is it what does it all mean and the end was uh equity which i I forgot to put it just occurred to me this morning the whole zero sum game which is why i I entitled this podcast arrival in the zero sum game a zero sum game solution is equity that's where you you balance out everybody's losses with your wins and your wins with their losses that's the whole point of the story and that ties back into her main character through line where, you know, if you have your life, you have ups and downs, there are wins and losses, but it's all balanced out at the end of your life. It's completely, once you accept that that's just the way life is and you have, you know, life is a zero sum game, then you're not saddled by, you know, your daughter dying or divorce or separation. Like none of that matters because in the end, it all balances out. Once you know the ending, everything in between balances out. And that, I love being able to tie that into the Dramatica point of view of story, which is great. Anytime you go try, 
and, you know, teach somebody about Dramatica and they're like, well, I don't get what's the big deal. It seems kind of abstract. You just go, well, have you seen Arrival? Okay. I'm basically teaching you how to write those circles. I'm basically teaching you how to write story using circles, using both your hands at the same time and inscribing a story. And you are still stuck in the, well, I wonder what is the first act and what is the second act? I'm going linearly so I can see where my character is going on this journey. Well, no, there's actually a far more sophisticated, far more exciting, far more holistic, non-linear understanding of story structure. So I thought that was great. So from now on, you can always use Arrival as your example of how Dramatica actually works when it comes to story structure. Uh, and then when I actually went through and put the story forms up, like I was talking about earlier in the podcast, I found the influence character unique ability was prediction and the influence character critical flaw was suspicion, which I thought were perfect examples for an alien race that doesn't speak English coming to Earth, you know, there's tons of suspicion as to what it is, what they're actually trying to do. Tons and tons of suspicion, and, you know, that kind of lessens their impact. It's like, well, I'm, I'm not too sure about you. But then when you come at me with all these predictions of how things will be, that is going to have a huge impact on my way of thinking. And those two elements, the influence character unique ability and influence character critical flaw, those tie the through lines together at that variation level, at that thematic level. Uh, you know, at every level, there are connections that tie those towers together. Um, if you've seen the, the representation, uh, I'll give a link to the table of story elements. If you've seen them represented as four separate towers, they're actually kind of, in essence, they're one cube that's all in the same spot. But if you split them apart, you know, you have these four areas and they're, they're tied together with like in, invisible string at, at every level, those four different levels. And at the variation level, it's the critical flaws and the unique abilities and the catalysts and inhibitors for the overall story and relationship story through lines. So knowing those, it's great because the influence character isn't just something that's just thrown in there like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's my influence character because they're, they're fighting against them. No, they actually have a deep thematic reason for being there. Like their ability to predict is what is actually able to get Luis out of her her own way of thinking to be able to solve the overall story problem and also to solve her own issues you know to find that equity of her own you know being able to figure out and you know essentially save the world with a zero-sum game you get that external view of it and then internally everybody has their own sort of uh, daughter dying experience or if they haven't they will because that is how the zero-sum game of life works and so when you have a story where you show how, you know, in the external world where we see all the the different chess pieces and it's very logical, okay, all these countries are going to war and you see how a zero-sum game, an equitable uh, ending brings everybody together, brings peace and brings everything back, you know, to to a good place, that can also happen within because the external is represented by the internal and the internal is represented by the external. They They both are the same thing just from two different points of view and so when you're able to take that zero-sum game understanding and apply that to yourself, you can actually find your own peace and enjoy every single moment of your life, regardless of any ups or downs. And that, to me, was the really exciting part about Arrival, was how you know how brilliantly it connected the overall story through line with the main character through line. Perhaps you could have made more about the the zero-sum game explanation of how that fits into you know your own personal life. If if they had the story form 
maybe they could have pushed it more. I feel like what was there was great. I mean, you don't always have to beat people over the head with, well, this is the problem of equity, and now I'm going to write some lines of dialogue that explain it. You don't necessarily have to. You certainly could. Uh, I just, I love when there is that that duality between the overall story point of view and the main character point of view, and it actually, it means something, you know. that the same The same way you're able to resolve an issue externally, you can solve yourself internally. And that's essentially what the narrative is about, is it's actually making that argument. You know, the way you write a holistic argument is by knowing where you're going to end up, where you're going to start, and how you're going to move things through in the middle. And the Dramatica story form gives authors the ability to see the entirety of their story. They can see the entire narrative all at once. And just like Luis was able to uh, open up the world to a nonlinear view of time, I was reading a book last night called Slipstream, which I, I'm just getting started about productivity and how about, you know, you don't think of time, you think of the distance traveled and basically using relativity to increase exponentially what you're able to do in your life. And if you want to really increase exponentially the amount of great stories that you're able to write, clearly a nonlinear holistic understanding of story structure and a better understanding of how all that works and fits together will save you hours and hours and weeks and weeks and months and months of rewrites and trying to figure it out. Unless that's your purpose is just to go in there and, and figure that out and stumble along. That's totally fine too. You know, if you have hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars behind you waiting for a finished product, you probably don't want to spend a whole lot of time futzing around. If you have that nonlinear understanding of story structure and you put that together with a nonlinear understanding of life, you'll actually be able to do far more than you ever thought possible. You know, you can actually write all those great ideas, all those great stories you have in your head. You'll actually be able to put those out there and be able to get more and more of them out there, the better you understand how it is story works and how it fits together and how you can communicate to someone else, you know, what what your zero-sum game is. Like, what is your understanding of the world? How do you see people resolving their issues uh, externally and how can they take that and apply that to their own lives? Like, once you understand more how that all fits together... You'll be able to write more stories than you ever thought possible and connect with more people than you ever imagined. So if you haven't seen Arrival, make sure you get out there and see it. Or actually, I guess you have to download it now. <laughs> Stream it, buy it on Blu-ray, whatever it is you kids are doing nowadays. Uh, check it out and see a really brilliant piece of filmmaking. That's it for this week's Narrative First podcast. Uh, make sure this week, for those of you in the U.S., is daylight savings time, so you lose an hour of your life, unless, of course, you have a nonlinear understanding of time, and you don't really lose that hour because it'll balance out in the end. Everything works out in the end. So have a great week of writing. If you have any questions about anything, uh, please write to us at narrativefirst.com contact, and we will see you next week. He's using a double!